Hi, welcome to the Landscape of Grains Cleveland podcast. We're presented with support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Always glad when you can join us. Tomorrow marks the deadline for candidates who wish to run for the mayor's office in the city of Cleveland to file their petitions. We're going to need a scorecard this year. It's going to be a full field. Here to help us get it all of it straight is Kim Palmer, who covers government and policy for Greens Cleveland. Kim, welcome back to the landscape. Good to see you. Good to see you, Dan. Thanks for having me. So as you mentioned, the deadline is tomorrow, June 16th, Wednesday. Before we talk about some of the candidates, just a nuts and bolts question. How many signatures does one have to have to run for mayor of Cleveland? Well, it's, it's not a small amount. It's uh, in the thousands. It's about 3,000 um, signatures that you have to get you know, in this time of kind of opening up. Uh, uh, and they um, are due tomorrow, uh, all of them in their entirety uh, of the, the many, almost a dozen, more than a dozen candidates that we have that have said that they are going to run for office. It used to be sort of a grassroots thing where, yeah, and I know candidates are still out there and at the West Side Market shaking hands and trying to get signatures, but I've had to turn to more professional organizations to get some help with this just because of COVID. It is, it's been um, quite a trial for some of these candidates who are used to the uh, block clubs and and the parades that didn't happen, you know, the memorial parades that didn't happen this year and last year. Uh, and uh We've seen a lot of a move to uh, social media and some of these organizations that can really drill down and, and find precinct by precinct voters. Uh, but, you know, that uh, the lack of in-person events coupled with, uh, you know, a really strange year last year during the pandemic to know who your voters are, plus kind of a, a moving demographic in uh, downtown Cleveland and Cleveland in general, uh, has been uh, a bit of a uh, difficulty for a lot of these candidates. But some, you know, embrace the social media. We have some younger candidates and um, it doesn't seem to be bothering them quite as much. The general election is November 2nd. The primary is September 4th. Is that right? So- September 14th is the primary and it's a nonpartisan primary. So basically the two top vote getters will be the two candidates that uh, Cleveland chooses from uh, come November. What do you think uh, voters are looking for this election? Um, It always becomes one of those questions of, am I more interested in having my potholes filled and my my, my parks open and my garbage picked up? Or are they looking for like a more of a visionary candidate or is it too early to tell? I mean, those are the two big questions, right? Uh, Are we looking for someone who has a resume, an establishment, uh, who knows the city's politics, where you would see Kevin Kelly, maybe a Zach Reed, both people, uh, both uh, who have who have announced their candidacies and and have the infrastructure there. Uh, uh, Sandra Williams, uh, who is a state senator now. Uh, she has quite the resume. She's she's done stints in both the House and the Senate. Uh, she's worked with the county. Um, so that those candidates you can see is more establishment candidate candidates. Uh, we do we are looking at a lot of federal funding be coming into the into the city. And Kevin Kelly has made it clear that he feels he's in the best position, having uh, being president of city council right now, to be able to get that money and and handle it and have the relationships within the city to deal with it. Uh, on the other side, you know, you have Bibb, who's in his 30s, who's never held office, uh, uh, but is a Clevelander, a native, and um, 
Bashir Jones, who was uh, just recently elected to city council and doesn't have you know, the the, the uh, long, illustrious uh, resume that someone like a Williams does, but does have a lot of, uh, has done a lot of time in front of the community as a uh, radio host. Uh, and then you have these um, kind of uh, at least two or three candidates that uh are very young. Uh, we have uh, Rostabella and uh, Arthur O. Kestent, uh, who are both were both grew up outside of the city, moved downtown, and um, I think uh, one of the most interesting. Both of them have um, have cited their lack of student debt that they paid their student debt down as accomplishments that would make them good candidates for uh, for for the mayor, which. And I'm not at all making fun of that because that is quite an accomplishment, and I, I, I I'm very impressed. But it's interesting that that is such a hard thing. Yes, in this day and age, right? So I thought that was interesting. They both made that point in 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 their announcements um, and and some of their campaign literature. This is the landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our partner, Medical Mutual. Let's circle back to Kevin Kelly for a second. Um, I've read some and heard some political pundits say, well, they think that Kelly would be the best example of a continuation of the Jackson administration. How is he positioning himself in that in that role? Or is he trying to say, I'm going to go in a different place? He is, he's not saying that he's Jackson 2.0. He, he is uh, his one of his taglines for his campaign is forging a new path. But, you know, uh, he is focusing on a lot of the issues the Jackson administration was focusing on, you know, that is workforce development, that is combating poverty, uh, yeah, uh, basically uh, housing issues and and digital equality are two things that he's, he's kind of talked about that's maybe a little different. But, you know, poverty and housing and crime, uh, actually all the candidates have brought up uh, the worsening crime statistics happening in the city right now. So it, it, it is a that is definitely kind of the low-hanging fruit of all of these campaigns right now, um, and Kelly is no different. Um, there's some different ideas about how to go at it, but but they're all they're all very focused on bringing that up as a problem right now and something to deal with. Is Kelly starting to see have any particular group sliding up behind him to support him? Yeah, we we do see a lot of the uh, establishment union endorsements for Kelly, whereas we will see more government, we're seeing more government, uh, state senators and the Democratic caucus down in Columbus supporting uh, Sandra Williams, including Nikki Antonio, uh, who's pretty popular. Um, and then you see uh, it seems to be a little bit more of a community base for Bashir Jones, you know, uh, uh, leaders in the community, black leaders in the community specifically, uh, and then Bib just like uh, he got into the race pretty early. He's been very out there. He's got a really strong social media game, and he he is I would say Twitter. <laughs> you know, if you go on Twitter, he's got a lot of followers. He's got a lot of really uh, passionate support uh, from kind of the younger social social media savvy uh, group. So. So we'll we'll see who votes, you know, who actually comes out and, and and what that all means in the end. Well, that is an interesting question. I mean, because I would wonder if somebody like Bib or some of these younger candidates are really going to make some sort of marshaled effort to get young people in Cleveland to come out and vote, which I mean, we haven't had many voters at all in Cleveland as of late during mayoral elections. I wonder if mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a point to trying to get younger folks to come out and cast ballots. 
There is definitely movements by the different campaigns. Uh, Bashir Jones uh, has been working on uh, voter outreach to young black male uh, men in the community specifically. Um, and Bib, you know, again, with with his social movement, he's, you know, he's started going door to door. We saw Williams, uh, uh, Senator Williams starting to go door to door. And, you know, in the communities down, you know, in the neighborhoods and, and yes, getting people registered is a big, is a big push by uh, especially some of the younger and the newer campaigns. Sandra Williams certainly has the Cleveland cred. She grew up in Mount Pleasant. She went to John Hay. She's been, she was in the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate. What accomplishments can she point to to say, this is why I might make a good mayor? Well, she's brought uh, she's brought some money to the to the city, including to the ports. Uh, there has been a push to get uh, state money to help support uh, the port of Cleveland, and she really delivered uh, a year and a half ago uh, with millions of dollars that are, are that's helping uh, shore up some of the docks and will bring in a lot more business into that organization, which then acts as excuse me an economic development vehicle for development in the city and around the county. At the risk of trotting out the old Cleveland cliche of east side, west side, we certainly do always see that split in this election. And one young candidate who's manning a challenge as a west sider, Ross DeBella. What do we know about him? Well, he's pretty new. He's pretty young, but he's worked with the counties, worked in the courts, and he's fashioned himself and describes himself as a, as a pure Democrat and social justice uh, and social issues, poverty and criminal reform are really the big uh, issues that he that he talks about. He did uh, grow up in Chesterlin, but he boasts family from Little Italy. So I don't know. <laughs> if we're doing demographics, uh, you know, we get the map out. I don't. I don't know where that puts him. I don't know. You know, uh, what kind of support that gets him. Uh, but uh, but he's uh, you know he's out there and he's he's not uh, afraid to run for mayor uh, without. The resume and and he says that that's you know it's all about representation and transparency, which is another theme that we've heard from a lot of the candidates. If Sandra Williams was to win, she'd be only the second female mayor Cleveland has ever had, and she'd be the first African American woman to be mayor. Is there anybody else running on a similar sort of theme? We do have a candidate. Um, her name is Latoya Jean Witcher. Uh, she is. This seems like a very grassroots. Uh, campaign. She is a, a black woman. She's an entrepreneur. She runs a, a DJ and an underground record label. Uh, she's She did a video for CSU uh, describing herself to the students for, the, for their uh, program on getting to know the candidates and uh, her uh, issues that she's not a traditional candidate. Uh, she believes in black entrepreneurism, and um, she her two main uh, role models are Jane Campbell, our first female male mayor, and Frank Jackson, our longest running. So she like you know she goes for the winners, I guess. But she uh, <laughs> she has a website, so you know we'll you know we'll we'll wait to see if if she officially officially files and gets all those um, gets all those uh, signatures, but. Uh, she could be some, yeah, she's an interesting candidate and would be fun to watch. It's, I mean, it's always interesting. We always seem every few years to have that candidate, not only the candidate of change, but the candidate who says, I'm not a politician, I'm an outsider. But we never seem to elect that person. <laughs> Cleveland's an old town, right? Uh, we have very often gone with the establishment candidate, right? It's something you can you can usually uh, count on. Uh, but every it's always like that until it isn't. 
right? It is what it is. <laughs> right. You know, it's a, so, so is this the year that we see just, you know, a fresh face when you see somebody come from behind? Um, I, I would say your average Clevelander is maybe not betting on that, but, uh, but you know, we have, we have a, a younger new uh, bunch of residents in the city. Who knows, who knows what they're going to bring and who knows if, if they register to vote and what kind of block they're going to make, uh, you know, for this election as opposed to us old timers, Dan. <laughs> One candidate we haven't mentioned because he has not officially declared at the time we are uh, recording our podcast is former Mayor Dennis Kucinich. That His announcement is going to come on Monday, the day we're actually recording this. So we don't know what he's going to say. He's supposed to make an announcement at five o'clock on Monday the 14th. Do we have any feel for what Kucinich might do? Well, his people aren't uh, giving up any clues. I, I did ask. I told them it was a podcast. It was very important that I knew. But uh, we rumor has been, you know, unsubstantiated, and uh, the chatter has been that he was going to use a, a late entrance into the uh, into the race, uh, possibly as a as the media excitement, you know, to 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 launch his campaign. You know, say what you will, it was a very long time ago that he ran this city, um, even before my time, a little bit. But uh, th- that name recognition is, I mean, everybody knows Kucinich. So, so could he, would that be enough? You know, is that enough in this day and age? Uh, maybe. And, and will he even run? Maybe he's just punking all of us. Maybe he's got a, a, right. a po- his own podcast yeah. and he's just announcing that. We, who knows? Who knows what comes <laughs> later today? Tom, he can't work my side of the street. This is my side of the street. <laughs> um, it's been it's been many years. I think it's been more than thirty correct since we elected a Republican as mayor of city of Cleveland. Do any of those candidates jump out that might have a possibility of, of winning? Well, I mean, Zach Reed uh, is a Republican and running. Um, and you would normally, you know, the the conventional wisdom would be this is a Democratic town, no way. But he served 17 years in city council, so uh, he has connections. Uh, he's recently been down on Columbus working with LaRose in the uh, Secretary of State's office. One might wonder, I might wonder, someone watching this campaign might wonder, what working in the Secretary of State's office gives him as far as um, a reputation, considering the partisan uh, conflict right now on how elections are run or, or how elections right now, we have a bill down in the state house that would change the way uh, people vote and would change some of the mail-in ballots that have otherwise been pretty successful. And so wondering if that uh, is enough of a conflict, enough of an irritant to, to keep him really out of serious contention. Finally, this most likely will be the most contested mayoral race we've had since Frank Jackson upset Jane Campbell in 2005. when. There's not much going on. Races can be kind of docile. Do you think this could be a rough and tumble race with all the candidates and what they may have to do to try to get elected? I mean, I, you know, I'm the optimist about politics. I, you know, I always hope everybody votes and people are involved. I know some people aren't so fond of it, but, you know, we have a House seat that's up with District 11, uh, Marsha Fudge's seat, which uh, is getting a lot of buzz. We again, I think we have, you know, we have with new blood downtown, uh, uh, a lot more residents downtown than we've ever had, uh, a younger group. Uh, and there's also been, you know, a lot of noise about city council. We have a lot, you know, if everybody 
who's uh, declared uh, for city council uh, runs, we'll have almost four to five candidates for each ward, except for one, Brian Casey's ward. Uh, but, you know, the day is young. We'll see what happens tomorrow. So we have a lot going on, you know, a lot of different pieces moving. We don't have a big issue on the ballot, like legalizing medical marijuana or something like that. But but who knows? You know, there's just there's been a lot of noise. There's been a lot of talk about city council, people un, un, unhappy about it. There's, you know, people have strong views about the Jackson administration. Um, it is, you know, it, it, it could be exciting. We could see a good turnout. It's so difficult because, you know, uh, looking at the last election, even though it was a presidential election and the turnout then, it was just such a strange world with a pandemic and all the, some of the confusion around voting that I just think, uh, you know, we, we should go into this with fresh eyes. And um, I, I'm hoping for really a, a big turnout and a lot of debate. Kim Palmer, I'm sure we'll talk more about this over the next several landscapes, over the next several months. And we're so always glad when you could join us. Thanks for being with us today. All right, Dan. Thanks. This was fun. Kim Palmer covers government and policy for Crane's Cleveland Business. She joined us for the Landscape of Crane's Cleveland podcast. We thank Medical Mutual for their support of this effort. We thank our producer, Cody Smith. I'm Dan Paletta. We'll talk again soon.